And welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Andrew Shopdoss, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Terrell Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Terrell Wellman on the Twitters. Um, there are at least, if we had done the show yesterday, it would have been a lot of gnashing of teeth. At least today, we got some you know good vibes, if you will. Getting to see Adam Wainwright throw a complete game on his birthday to Yadier Molina, who was playing in his 2000th game, um, it, it was like a blast from the past, and that's kind of what we needed to, you know, kind of reset this week. It was an incredible moment for the St. Louis Cardinals, for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, and I think for all of us who are just kind of exhausted by the whole 2020 thing, <laughs> that that masked hug between Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina at the very end of that game yeah. was like the magical healing balm that I think we all needed a little bit of and probably need a lot more of because you're right, it was not a great week for Cardinals baseball in general. I think what we saw from Adam Wainwright and I know there's there's always complaints about Yadier Molina and the fact that he's getting older and he's not as this or he isn't that or whatever. Look, they're legends in the sport and in St. Louis, and today was the absolute just magnifying glass on why that is. Their competition level never seems to drop even when their body sort of betrays them sometimes. And to see them both have great days, Yadier Molina with a couple of hits, driving runs in, Adam Wainwright obviously doing what he hasn't done in how many years? Since 2016, I guess. Mm -hmm. He hasn't thrown a complete game. And then the emotion out of both of them, I think, is just it's something that's so special. And it's what makes watching them as a part of this Cardinals team so exciting. So yeah, I mean, there's the the young guys and the struggles and the lack of hitting and the injuries and COVID and all of that. And all of a sudden on Sunday, it was just Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina playing catch and making people look silly in the process. And that was a lot of fun to see. Yeah, I and this wasn't. I mean, yeah, Adam got into a groove later on and and didn't allow very many base runners and stuff, but this wasn't one of those situations where he just, you know, had this low pitch count going on. He, he threw 122 pitches, um, which is going to be interesting to see what happens next time out. Um, But we'll worry about that when it happens. Um, This really was him putting his team on his back, which we have seen Adam do before. And Yachty as well tends to to have that kind of possibilities, but you know, we saw how many arms got used in the first game of the series. Um, you know, yesterday went to extra innings. So other more arms than they'd probably like to have used. Um, I don't know that there were a whole lot of options in the bullpen. I'm sure there were some, but not a whole lot. And so I, I really think that probably Adam Wainwright felt like he was going to throw a complete game from the first pitch. Now he probably always does, but even more so he was going to do what he needed to do for his team. And, you know, he definitely did that. Um, it, it just, I mean, I can't imagine, t- you know, we have enough problems. Amazing seeing anybody throw a perfect, or not a perfect game, obviously. It feels like, it feels like we're talking about some sort of historic thing, you know. Uh, but we don't see too many people throw a complete game. But you definitely don't see 39-year-olds throw a complete game yeah. and 120-something pitches. Um, well, and evidently he called a shot because in the post game. Mike Schultz said he got a text message from Adam Wainwright after Saturday night's debacle that basically said, don't worry about it. I got this. Yeah. And yeah. 
sure enough, uh, he didn't have to worry about it. And he had it and did exactly what he said he was going to do, which, like you said, Adam Wainwright always goes to the mound thinking, I want to throw nine. But Mm -hmm. to more or less say, (laughs) leave everybody else home. I'm taking this one all the way the night before. Um, I think it just really tells you how much that mindset, that kind of, and I know we all talk about Jack Flaherty as the ace of this team. I think there's still an argument to be made for what Adam Wainwright has done once his body recovered from the last few years of not being quite healthy. Mm -hmm. And he said as much after the game is that, look, I haven't, I haven't been this good in a while and it, it feels really good to be back. Yeah. I mean, and he has often, I can't say always because we have seen Adam Wainwright kind of, hit some road bumps in the postseason, but he has often risen to the occasion. You know, the, the last time he threw a complete game, I'm not sure if it's exactly, somebody pointed out on Twitter, they weren't sure if it was this day or not, but it probably was, was the time when they had the 2016 in mm, Bush yeah. Stadium as the, you know, honoring them. Um, and he went out and threw a, a complete game shutout from, if I remember, against the Marlins, I believe. Yeah. Um and I, that's probably that last one, you know, it's, it's when there's a big stage, he likes to, he likes to be on it. Um, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it really is. It's fairly remarkable. Um, and it, it was desperately, desperately needed. So, um, you know, it's, I think the only thing I, I would imagine that if you talk to Adam Wainer today, the only disappointing thing is he didn't have a chance to get a hit. Uh, in this situation um but um yeah other than that it's it was it was a remarkable afternoon and he actually got some support which is not necessarily anything you could say about the rest of the week um we have seen for the fact that the cardinals play the royals and the pirates before running into a, a very good cleveland team um this offense is so sputtery um, you know, I, I looked it up before we did meet me at mutual. And at that time, the Cardinals were leading the league in on base percentage, but they had like a 22nd OPS because they can get runners on, but they definitely cannot get them in, um, a lot of walks, a lot of hit batsmen, but you know, we've said that it, it's how often, how often do they have the bases loaded, uh, this, this season. So what, do, what do they do? Can they do? I mean, we're talking here less than 24 hours from the trade deadline. And neither one of us expect the Cardinals to do anything of any significance, but should they, I mean, or is there a way to solve this offensive problem from the inside? You know, I think they're still in the situation that they've been in, in years recent past where they're not one move away from fixing Mm -hmm. this issue. And I think that's why the, the, train of thought or the method to the madness has been well let's just let's just get everyone to play better and that's great in theory because sure if everyone just got better from last season to this season the team would be better but we've talked about this before it's such an unrealistic risk as far Mm -hmm. as what you do if that doesn't happen and how you can even begin to predict that that will be reality. So what they do now, I mean, should they make a move? Does the team need to get better? Yes. Does their offense need some sort of boost? Yes. Is that coming from whatever Jeff Albert is doing with these guys? No, it doesn't seem to be 
any different than it was last year. But do I think they make a move in this season as weird and wild as it is? No. And I don't know if I feel too worked up about that because of how weird this season is anyway. I think when you get to the off season and you look back at what this team is and where you want them to go, then you have to start making some decisions about how you get there. And I don't know that it's just, you know, let the kids play because they've been playing and it's not great. (laughs) And I don't think it's just, you know, hope for better next year. So I don't know if, if they go the extreme of tearing it all down and building up from there, but I don't know that there's enough they could do at the trade deadline to do now for another month of the season. Plus that goes against the very nature of John Mozeliak to do something that's that short-sighted in a season where everything's kind of up for grabs anyway. And, and that's absolutely true. And, and honestly, I don't know. I don't say this as a negative thing because I think it's it's fair. It feels like right now John Mosaylock is just trying to get through the day. Yeah. Um, and thinking about a trade and thinking. I mean, I think he basically said that in a in an article on the, um, maybe with Derek Gould or I'm not sure exactly who, but you know, basically said, look, we've kind of keep an eye, uh, keeping checked in with other teams, but we're just trying to figure out how we're going to get you know. 46 men onto a 40 man roster and um, you know, trying to figure out what our team looks like because we haven't had a chance to play together. And, you know, we've played a lot less games than anybody else. I, you know, I get that. And I think they're, I think most fans understand that. And I agree that making a move in this kind of season is weird, but then they, uh, you know, I don't know on the other side of things, it also feels like, like you said, you're getting, people along if you could just get a bat yeah, you know it, you know it, it may not and, and again the cardinals for all their falls are 12 and 13 but right now second place they're in the playoffs yeah um if you could just get just a little bit of something just to get you through the year um i mean yeah if you could get a long-term solution that's great but that doesn't feel like that's even possible but i mean the cubs went out and got jose martinez today which is aggravating because now the Cardinals have to face Jose. And as much as we all enjoy Jose, uh, we don't really want to see him on the other side, especially in Cubby Blue. But it feels like, and I'm not saying that they should have traded back for him, but even that kind of bat, a guy that can play regularly, of course, not. we're already starting to get into too many DH spots as, as it is, but you know, just somebody that could hit on some sort of consistent level could make a world of difference for this team. Yeah, and that's fair. I think uh, right now it looks like a team that has the same problem that it had last year in mm-hmm. that you get one guy hot and that's great, but Dex can't be the only one hitting or right. Paul Goldschmidt can't be the only one hitting. And yeah. so if you add one more piece to that, maybe that's enough because you're right. They There have been a lot of guys on base. They just aren't able mm-hmm. to come up with that big hit and that's I feel like a broken record saying that because it's been the same story for the last two or three seasons so yeah I think there are definitely ways that they could make a push I just think that how much is it worth to make a push for this season and I guess that's Mm -hmm. where uh, that that's where I am hesitant a little bit because even if they make a push that ensures them of the playoffs is this a team that you feel like 
has the competitive advantage or even just the ability to match up well against the American League teams that they would play if they got that far or even some of the tough National League teams. I don't know. I don't know if I see this as a team that's that competitive with one additional piece. And we all know the right team can get hot at the right time and Mm -hmm. suddenly look like they can't be beat even if they're not the most talented. So you get in and then you figure it out from there. I understand that. But um, I just I think if I'm trying to see it through the eyes of what the front office is going to see as valuable as far as moving other pieces to get there, um, I don't I don't know that this really fits into their wheelhouse as far as reasons they would make a move. <laughs> no, and I agree. Um, I, I don't... That's what I'm saying that that's yeah. the right approach. Right. <laughs> just right. that's what I expect. Right. Um, I mean. I guess if you want to look at it with optimism, you look at the fact that they could have taken four or five from the Cubs, which is a team that you know right now has the second best, well, I guess third best, no second best winning percentage in the National League. Um, the Dodgers are a team that are, you know, going to be in the playoffs. We know what the Cardinals do against the Dodgers. So, you know, <laughs> you got to, you know, you're just a path right there to the playoffs. Um yeah, I, again, I agree. I would not, I would not sell the farm for this team. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like you said there's there's some of these teams that will get rid of anybody that's making any sort of salary. And if St. Louis would take on just a little bit of money, which is another different situation, <laughs> which you may not want to be doing, um, it feels like maybe they could do something. But again, I I think they should just bring Lance Lynn back. I mean, it doesn't help the offense, but it would help me because I would enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really what it boils down to. Right, here. exactly. I mean, don't worry about the fact that we've got 15 starters. No, I mean. <laughs> it's all about there. Yeah. Uh, Adam, Wainwright, Adam Wainwright wants to hit every now and then, right? Just like, I don't know, put him out in left field. It'll be yeah. fine. Mate, let honestly, him DH. <laughs> honestly, is it the worst idea? I no, don't think so. I don't think it is. <laughs> I mean. We've seen Adam play. I, I <laughs> can do that every once in a while. I'm fine yeah, with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Again, I can't, especially in this. Episode. I mean, if if they didn't do the deal last year for Zach Wheeler, in a year that they really needed to do something, um, it's hard to imagine that they'll right. do something in a season that they have every sort of, and I don't want to say excuse in the negative, but they do have a lot of reasons uh you know between being hit with COVID and, and everything like that and the short season just in general and to not go full throttle the problem is we don't know what the cardinals full throttle looks like yeah <laughs> we don't know exactly what their quarter throttle looks uh-huh. like because you know it's been a while it's been a while since mostly lot made it in season trade obviously we've got the goldschmidt trade after the season but there's just not been much at the trade deadline that he's wanted to pick up. And I cannot remember. I probably I feel silly saying this, but I don't think I can remember a time where they picked up a, a bat at the trade yeah. deadline. Well, it's always kind of that middle reliever type for the most part. And that's not something they need this year. That's not going to help them this year. I don't think, but I, I would also say just sort of on the, the side of they should make a move. I don't even know what kind of move that is, but we've talked about this before, man, when you do something, you bring somebody in 
and obviously there's there's subtraction as well, right? If you make a trade and bring somebody in to impact the major league roster, it means somebody else isn't going to have that spot. But if you bring somebody in that's a significant improvement, there is sort of a, a morale boost or even just a, okay, now we're in it that you get from the front office. And if there's anything that this club's going to need, it's <laughs> reasons to not drown in how tired they are. Um, right. I mean, Adam Wainwright said after the game today, and I, I know I tweeted it because I think it's, if I got this text message from Adam Wainwright, man, I would, <laughs> I would be able to, you know, run a marathon or something, but he basically t said he sent a text message to the team and said, I know you're tired. Just don't quit. Give me all you've got. And that's incredible. And to hear that from Wainwright, I mean, you know that those guys wanted to go out there and get that win for him, but there is, there's such a weight just mentally and physically to this season for these guys and more so for them than for even other teams because of how far behind they got and how much ground they're trying to make up that it's just maybe a, a trade, maybe somebody coming in that it was like, oh, okay, they believe in us enough that they're trying to give us that little extra advantage would be that kind of morale boost. But this is also, this tends to be a team that is maybe more focused on not letting go of someone mm -hmm. <laughs> than adding someone else. So I don't know with this group, if that would be the positive uh, influence that it could be as far as the motivation or the the drive, but that's one thing that we really haven't seen with this team is kind of getting that mid-season shot in the arm where they can kind of take a breath and go, okay, let's now let's go. And I don't know what that would look like. I don't either. I don't either. Like you said, we're talking about, you know, should they make a move or what they should do, but there's no idea what kind of move would actually be made. I mean, there's no idea what kind of players are out there or, um, things like that but you, you know the idea of bringing somebody in that's i don't want to say fresh because every team is playing a kind of a, a jam-packed schedule but somebody that hasn't gone through the the, the fires who of ha who's had who has had more than one off day in exactly yeah. the last three weeks <laughs> i mean you, you bring in somebody like that for plus the fact that the cardinals do have two off days their last two off days in the next 10 days um before they really get into that, you know, doubleheader heavy set, set of the schedule, um, you know, having a guy like that could couldn't hurt, I would think, um, because they're going to need all the fresh bodies that they can get. Um, but again, I'd have no idea who that is, and I don't even know. I mean, looking around, you'd like to say, okay, they need some of the outfield, but you know, I I can't see them playing you know, not playing Tyler O'Neill or not playing Harrison Bader or something of that nature. Um, unless I guess I traded one of those guys in the, in the mix, uh, you know, you start looking around, it's like, what, where, what position do they target? Because I mean, they're kind of stuck at so many of them. Yeah. And that's sort of the situation they've been in. And if they're not willing to move major league talent to bring in other major league talent, yeah there is a jam and there's no way around that. So, I mean, that's why we've seen so many of these trading for minor leaguers for guys that might be good someday, because mm -hmm. that doesn't cost you the major league talent, but you can't, you can't clear that log jam if you're not willing to move any of those guys onto a different opportunity. And I think there's some trepidation there because the Cardinals have been so hesitant 
to move any of those younger guys. And then when they have, it almost seems like they they go somewhere else and then they play well. <laughs> um, and some of that comes from opportunity. Some of that is just perception and they're not necessarily playing any better than they would have in St. Louis. It's just there's not an opportunity for everyone. And I, I think John Moselec takes a lot of responsibility for trying to pick the right guy to keep. And mm-hmm. I don't know which one of those guys that's struggling right now <laughs> is necessarily the guy to keep. So yeah, who do you replace? Where do you put them? I mean, if you trade for Nolan Arenado, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. then you you've got to put him at third base and move, <laughs> you know, Tommy Edmond to left field. And maybe that solves your problems. I don't know. But there, there would always be a way to figure out where to put talent. Right. It's just a matter of if the people in the front office and the coaching staff on the field can find that move effectively and feel like it makes them better as opposed to just moving guys into positions where they're actually going to play worse defense, which right now would be very (laughs) problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw some very rough defense this week out of people that are pretty much playing where they're supposed to play. So, um, you know, you start getting dicey uh, on, on that kind of thing. I, you're right. I, I don't know. I don't know where the valuation is because you're right. I don't I don't feel like Tyler O'Neill's had enough of a valuation to really know what he is at the major league level, but maybe he has. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, is he going to be an all-star? <laughs> maybe not here. Again, you look at guys like Tommy Pham and Stephen Piscotti and people like that and Luke Voigt who leave, and, and you're right, some of it's opportunity and maybe some of it is better coaching, which is – you know, something that the Cardinals should be taking a pretty hard internal look at, I think, at times. Um, I don't know how much they do. Um, all in all, uh, you know, when you look at this team as it's constructed now, there's still a lot of, you know, a, a lot of potential, a lot of things that can get you excited. Usually it's on the pitching staff, but and it's like this, well, if, if, if you know, if, Carlson can start to hit and, you know, Tyler O'Neill can come back, but there's, there's so many ifs that if for once in a while, it'd be nice to have a sure thing. Yeah. I think the, the perfect example of all of that for me is the top of the order, mm-hmm. because if Colton Wong and Tommy Edmond are hitting, like we know they're capable of, that's a really exciting one too, yes. because of yes. what they can do after that. And we've seen it at times. We've seen what they can do when, you know, that sort of dynamic duo gets going with their ability to create traffic on the base pads and, you know, drive the ball in the gap and whatever. It's really exciting to see that happen. And it's a really great idea in theory. But when they're not living up to that potential, mm-hmm. it creates a big hole at the top of the order as it would with anyone who wasn't hitting. It's not a Colton Wong, Tommy Edmond thing because it was also a Dexter Fowler, Matt Carpenter thing. And the fact that the potential is there doesn't change when they're not hitting well, but the fact that the potential is what you're hoping for (laughs) doesn't Mm -hmm. actually create runs the way that you would hope for it to if they're not hitting well. And I feel like I said that in a very confusing way, but I think you get the point is that that's the the prime example for me. And you see that all over the field for the Cardinals right now is that there's potential for that to be really exciting and really fun to watch. But if they're not hitting, there's nothing to watch. So how do you fix that when we know what they're capable of? We've seen them do it before. They just fall into these deep, dark holes where that potential never really sees the light of day for 
far too long and then they just put even more pressure on themselves so it, it becomes this trap that is a cycle that then makes this year look a lot like last year even if the, the pieces are moved around in the lineup a bit more yeah and I think there are times where we um we think about the potential and maybe overrated a bit i mean you know tommy edmund had a great year last year but it's very possible that was a career year too Right. Um, and, and so if we, and I'm not, I mean, just in general, or the, if the coaching staff thinks that he's going to get back to that level, he very well may not. And, you know, where do you decide that that's not going to work? Uh, you know, again, these are decisions that are hard to make uh, in best of times, very difficult to make when you're trying to, you know, go through 800 games in two days. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I it, <sighs> Nothing's going to change this year. I, I think that's fairly safe. Right. And the the organization has an out this winter of, well, that was a weird season. And we had people that people were ill and, and now we don't have any money and blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that they really need to take a hard look at it. And because even though this is only 60 games and it's a weird year, like you said, there's a lot of things that look a lot like the 162 games from last year that we thought if you want to look at it, we thought jeff albert and you know another year of, of learning from him was going to you know things were going to look better and we don't see that kind of change yet yeah and it's frustrating because at times it looks like we do i mean mm-hmm. they hit the ball pretty well today against the indians and dexter fowler came up with some real clutch hits and they were on the base paths all over the place and that sort of thing so at times it does look like oh that was different (laughs) but there's no sustaining that from one game to the next or kind of regrouping from one loss to the next and i don't know if that's a game plan thing where they go in with one plan and just aren't able to adjust that's what i was going to say about tommy edmund is that the thing about potential is that it's great because it's based on what we saw when they were at their best, but you have to be able to adjust in this game because the opponent's going to adjust to you. And if you can't adjust back, then they maintain the upper hand. So with a guy like Tommy Edmond, it's not necessarily that he isn't capable of what we saw last year. It's that this is a different opportunity. People have seen what he's capable of now. They know where his weaknesses are, and he's going to have to figure out how to adjust and to perhaps do it quickly than he, quicker than he has done thus far. And I think that's the same overall, is that the, the frustration comes in watching them play nine innings where they do exactly the same thing at the plate seemingly every time. And it didn't work the first three times. So why not try something else? Why why not come with a different approach this time? So that's what gets really frustrating from the, the sort of game planning, Jeff Albert influence side of it. Um, but I do think, you know, and it was, it was interesting in perhaps not the way I wanted it to be hearing both Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina asked about their plans for next year after the way that they both played today and kind of hearing from both of them, like we'd hope we'd like for it to be here, but we don't know if they want us back. Um, There's a weird dynamic there for me because it does feel like the Cardinals need to make some dramatic changes. I don't know that I really want that change to be (laughs) letting Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina play in different uniforms next year. That seems like a thing that maybe would absolutely destroy me, but nonetheless, (laughs) there is that weird balance of how much of the old do we need to keep or can we keep 
and still come up with the new so that we don't just keep repeating the same issues over and over again. Yeah. And, you know, I think we should be somewhat grateful that the Indians put up 14 runs because it proves that Andrew Kisner is still around. Right. Um, (laughs) You know, there's got to be, there's got to be some balancing act. I mean, obviously Adam Wainwright still has value to this team. Obviously Yadier Molina still has value to this team, but you know, where do you draw that line of, of letting Yadier Molina play every single day, including both ends of a double header when you've got a young guy on the bench that needs, that needs a little bit of time. I'm not saying that he needs to start every day, but you know, get him out there occasionally, let him, you know, let him actually, you know, play the game. And you know, Wainwright's the same kind of way, although it's less of an issue with Wainwright because of the, you know, the rotation is the way it is. But, you know, and again, I'm like you. I don't want them going anywhere else. I don't want them playing in another jersey next year. Um, If they're going to play at all, I want it to be in St. Louis. But there's got to be, you know, some idea of we've got to move. We've got to make this transition because one day they're not going to be here. And we don't want that to then all of a sudden just put two gaping holes in this organization because we've not planned for it. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know where that is. I don't know what that line is. Again, Yadier Molina is one of the few guys that's actually hitting right now. So I can, you know, I can understand the argument for playing him it's a little bit harder to understand the argument of playing him both games of a double header. Um, <laughs> Especially well, it's only he, seven innings, so he's fine. Yeah, I mean, I remember him playing 20 <laughs> against the Mets, but that was 10 years ago. So, you know, um, but yeah, 14 seems fair for Yachty. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know what that dynamic is and how much you can respect them while still planning for their departure. I, you know, I, it's it's delicate probably more so with Molina than with Wainwright, but you know, that's, but if they're a, if they're a a package deal now, as it sounds, (laughs) yeah, at least they would like to be, then, you know, that kind of complicates that equation a little bit too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've, we've kind of reached the end of this, but you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the offense, I feel like, but on the whole, except for that, you know, except for a few glitches, the pitching staff is looking pretty good, but it does sound, from what I can tell, and it should be, I think, that Daniel Ponce de Leon has kind of moved out of the rotation uh, in favor of Johan Oviedo. And Ponce de Leon just never can quite, he's got the stuff, it feels like, but he never can control it well enough to really be a starter. And he's probably better suited for those you know, two or three inning relief outings. Yeah, it's frustrating too because his stuff is so good when he's pitching well. And we saw it in the spring. We've seen it at times. We maybe have had a better look at it when it is shorter appearances. But there always seems to be that one pitch that doesn't get called a strike or one play that doesn't get made or whatever. And then it just kind of collapses from there for him. And I don't know exactly what to pin that on, but the the control kind of disappears and and it turns into it's it's it seems to me like it's not it's not usually one little glitch for Ponce mm-hmm. de Leon like where Adam Wainwright gave up a two run homer today and then shut it down 
it seems like the one little glitch turns into a, an avalanche for Ponce and then he just can't ever get it back. And that's a problem when you're trying to depend on a guy to go five or six innings, especially when you're playing so many double headers and you need to give a little bit of relief now and then to that bullpen. So yeah, it's, it's frustrating and I'm sure it's discouraging for him to feel like he was right there and had the opportunity to prove that he could be a starter at that level and it just hasn't gone his way. But there's still so much value to what he brings to this team and the ability he's going to have to impact really important games with really important innings as they go throughout this last, uh, you know, what seems like it should be the last stretch, but it's really just the (laughs) (laughs) feels like we we just hit our stride um, (laughs) as far as how many games are left to go this season with these guys. But his role can still be incredibly valuable, even if it's not in the rotation. Oviedo is really interesting. I mean, there was so much talk about him in the spring very early on before everything got shut down. Just kind of the way that he, there's always one guy, right? Who sneaks up on you in spring training and you're like, oh, wow. I mean, I knew about this guy, but I I didn't think he was going to be this good this soon. And because of the strangeness of the season, he's had an opportunity and Look, he's young, so there are going to be innings that get away from him, and there are going to be situations that he doesn't look great, but the talent is obviously there, and it's different. It's something that the league hasn't seen, so there's some value in that too. There definitely is. Um, and I'm glad to see that um, the the Cardinals used him as a starter, and a true starter too. I mean, you know, for a while there, especially as they were coming back from COVID, you know, if you got a starter that went into the fourth, that was, that was huge. If, if his name wasn't Adam Wainwright. Um, but they, you know, from, from day one, he's been pitching five innings or, or what the case may be and, yeah. and done well. Um, again, he's not, you know, I, it'd be interesting at the end of the year, I think to see as we usually do the Cardinal blogger awards, who would be considered the best rookie of this team? Because you would expect it to be Dylan Carlson, but right now, um, Johan Oviedo, again, small sample size, um, has really, really held his own for a guy that hasn't necessarily pitched that far into the, you know, he's kind of a little bit, although he had, he's more, more uh, experienced it. It's a little bit like Jordan Hicks when he came up, you know, and just, you know, took it to the league immediately. Um, Oviedo, so far, again, just two starts, but you're right. He's, he might have one bad inning, but even his bad innings aren't just bad. You know, I mean, he gave up two runs against the Pirates. That shouldn't be enough to lose, but, (laughs) you know. But Um, here we are. Right. So, I don't know. It's very interesting to to watch and see um, him. And I mean, at least... If nothing else, there's a little bit of excitement there when he yeah. pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it is a little bit interesting to, to dream about if, if he continues to develop, you know, a Flaherty, a Wainwright, Oviedo, and maybe Hudson as your postseason rotation. That's not too bad. I mean, it could, it could you know, if, if you can support them, it could do you some good. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how they work Carlos Martinez back into this mix, too, obviously trying to get him in there as a starter. And, you know, I think as much as I'm a Carlos Martinez needs to be a starter person, I think the way that this season is breaking down, there's not a lot of time left. However, 
They still have, what, eight double headers left on the schedule to play. So having an extra guy who can go more than two innings is probably not a bad idea whenever they can get him back to just kind of give a breather to some of those guys who are going to have to carry a lot of the load. So adding him back into that mix, of course, Kim looked really great in his last outing. So it was nice to get that out of him. Look, there's plenty of pitching talent. I think that the struggle is going to just be there aren't off days. So if someone mm-hmm. struggles and someone leaves the game early, as far as those starters are concerned, it shakes up everything else in the bullpen, which then changes the entire rest of the week, which then changes everything until Adam Wainwright throws another complete game uh, of his own. So, you know, it just there's there's no way to recover from a game like that at this point. And that's what gets really complicated as they go throughout this and you know they I would say they've managed as well as I probably would have expected which doesn't necessarily mean it's as well as they possibly could have thanks to a couple of those innings that we all kind of saw coming but Mike Schultz left him out there anyway um but yeah, getting all of those starting arms in a position to succeed I think will really just give them a chance in every game and that's you know that's all you can ask from your pitching really is because they're not the ones scoring the runs so if they give you a chance to win especially when they're not hitting for themselves um right. when they give you a chance to win that's what you that's all you can ask of those guys and then the offense has to step up and like adam wainwright said just got to give them all you got even though you're tired and it's you know there are only a couple of off days left before the regular season ends and they just got to find a way to to stay motivated and power through. And honestly, I know I'm sort of just rambling at this point, but I, I wonder how much of an effect the crowd would have on this team trying to play mm. through so many days consecutively, because mm. without that energy in the stands, when you're a little tired, mm-hmm. I can imagine it being really, really hard to play nine innings where you just can't seem to get anything going and not look like you kind of are just done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of these doubleheaders are on the road, but yeah, even, even negative energy could help some. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and again, I think the one, it, it seems weird to think this, but the one saving grace of this schedule is the doubleheaders because like you said, if, if one pitcher goes bad, you're in trouble, but it's very easy to see a starter go five, you know, and then all you have to do is hopefully right. cover yeah. two innings or a starter goes six and you only have to cover one. Um, that's not asking as much as obviously if there are nine any games in those double headers. And, but, um, I mean, it's a small comfort. I mean, it's still, you got to go out there and play them. And, and for the position players, it's a lot more of a grind. And that's going to be interesting to see how Mike Schilt tries to rotate his players to keep them somewhat fresh and somewhat healthy. And it may mean more Brad Miller at third base and, <laughs> Well, look out, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, he's gonna. If you could just grow a few inches in the next couple of days, that'd be great. My luck is they'll probably put my cardboard cutout behind first base, and he's gonna take its head off. (laughs) Oh, there's netting, right? I mean, it'll be all right. (laughs) Stop ruining stories with facts, Tara. (laughs) Sorry, my bad. Yeah, continue. All right. Well, Tara and I will be back with you next week. Will the Cardinals have three with the Reds in Cincinnati and then five with the Cubs uh, again in Wrigley as it's a wraparound series that goes through Labor Day. 
Um, so they'll have played four of those five by the time we get back with you. Um, hopefully it's a good week. Hopefully it's a better week than we saw this week. Um, and, you know, hey, if nothing else, Tara, the Cubs have had their own problems this week. They Red sure Cubs, have. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, um, I, I doubt we see Craig, Craig Kimbrell um, in any kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, high leverage situation. Um, you know, it, the Cardinals, like I said, I think they're three and a half out. And a lot of that's because the Cubs have just tubbed their toe against people like the Reds and stuff too. So, you know, maybe you don't have, maybe it's better to be lucky than good. I don't know. I'll take it. (laughs) That's right. Darren, I'll be back with you next week. So until then, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.